on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, March 22nd. The LA Galaxy getting through one of their first actual real preseason games. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We got a lot of information about some of the internationals that are gone right now. So we're going to talk about those games, get you through that. Maybe some roster talk as well. We always like to talk the roster. So we continue building towards the opening game for the LA Galaxy on April 17th. So a lot of stuff coming up for the LA Galaxy very soon. Some rumors included there as well to help me do all that. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Baxter is here as well. Kev, how you doing, buddy? All right, you know, it's less than a month, well, about a month now until we have live soccer with real people at Dignity Health Sports Park. That, that's going to be, it almost feels like it's going to be something new for us. I mean, is that, it, it feels like it's been so long. And I know Greg Vanny was talking about the extended off season, Kevin, but it, it feels extended, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like it's been uh, a lifetime uh, since we've had that real atmosphere at the stadium. And, and you know, let's be honest, it's not going to be like it was before at first even if the, you know we go to the orange tier it's still going to be a reduced crowd but it's going to be better than last year hey you got kobe kobe bear behind you there um does he have both patches on his sleeves he 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 has an mls patch and he has a honey patch i okay, mean so he two. yeah it's very fitting for a bear to have a honey patch by the way i would just like to to point yes. that out i mean kids kids all around the world will understand that one but yeah um, no, it's, it's going to be different when we get back to the stadium. It's going to be, it'll be different for us. I mean, there might be more cars in the parking lot from what you and I have been used to over the, uh, the course of the pandemic. I know we've joked about the, the parking so many times, but it is still sort of an interesting little glitch whenever you look at how, uh, how, how easily it was for us to get in and out of the stadium, but I'm excited for people to get back in and with the tears, I mean, We'll see. There's certainly some rebound in the pandemic in some of the areas, some areas, some states starting to go back up. I'm interested to see if California is one of those states that eventually edges back up as well. Um, I know lots of people getting vaccines, lots of people eligible for stuff. So, you know, I'm happy that we're getting uh, all, all that stuff taken care of. And hopefully if you are planning on getting back to the stadium, that you get a chance to get a vaccine before uh, April 18th. I think I said 17th. They Galaxy play on the Sunday, uh, not the Saturday yeah. that time. And technically the league starts on April 16th, which they said it would start the weekend of the 17th. And then they scheduled games for the 16th. So, yeah, that really threw me off. By the way, Krispy Kreme says if you can bring in your vaccination form, prove you got vaccinated, you get a free glazed donut. 
every and day. Every, yeah. Every day. For, <laughs> there were lots of jokes going around. They're like, great. So you survive COVID, you get the vaccine and you become a beast with all of the donuts yeah, that's that right. you're eating. You survive COVID, but you die of obesity. That's not good. <laughs> that's, that's probably not the best. You know what though? A donut in moderation is just fine, Kevin. So you know what? If you get your vaccine, go get your donut. You deserve it after the year that we've all had. You, you know, you you do make a good point, though, and and uh, not to be Debbie Downer, but I, I do think there's just going to be at least one more spike. The vi vaccines are going to help a lot, um, but unless it's a tragic spike like the one that we just saw right around Christmas, I think it's too it's going to be too difficult to put the the toothpaste back in the tube. I think um, you know we're not going to go back. I I just don't see us going back to the purple tier again. I don't see the the government shutting everything down again. I think we've come too far. We've all worked too hard to get it. well. Some people have. Other people have been morons about this. But a lot of us have worked too hard to get here. It's going to be very hard to say, OK, we're back to outdoor dining again. We're closing down gyms. We're closing down movie theaters. Uh, man, I just the uh, political damage that that would do would yeah. be. Yeah, it, it would be a lot. And and whenever we look at what, you know, the tiers do and how many how many people it gets back in currently in red, uh, I think there's a good chance, actually, if everything sort of stays where it's at, that we could be in orange by the time they actually kick yeah, off in I'm, April. I'm predicting. I'm predicting orange because remember it's the la the first game is on the road so we got another week the yep. last week in, in in April yeah I think it's gonna be orange that's my call yeah I, I think that's sort of where everybody's uh, uh, predicting it as well so you may have as many as it it'll be in, you, you need some time in order to get that many people into the stadium so I wonder if the galaxy are, are flexible enough and understand enough that whenever that goes in uh, if it goes into orange close to the game, if they can increase it by the 3,000, 3,500 people that really might come up uh, whenever you look at the numbers. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch to see how quickly the Galaxy can react. I mean, uh, we know that theme parks were supposed to can't were given the OK to open on April 1st. Um, I think only one of them in Southern California is doing that. And I think that's uh, Six Flags will actually be open April 1st. Um, but the rest, like Disneyland, won't open until April 30th. And it looks like Knott's Berry Farm won't open until sometime in May. So, again, you can say these dates and do it, but people need time to react to all those things. So um, watching how the Galaxy sort of react to the change in tiers and the tickets available with that will be um, sort of one of those things that will uh, will get us going. So I, I, you know, I, I I, I think they're going to be ready for both. I think they're going to have an A plan and a B plan. And I'm sure it's uh, whatever plan it's going to be, it's going to involve social distancing and wearing your mask. So if you're one of the lucky people that get that get picked to, to come to the game and, and you have access to a ticket, you know, please be responsible. Wear your mask, social distance. It's not that hard to do. And even if you have to wear a, a mask at a game uh, and social distance, you know what? You're at the game. It's yeah. better than last year. Yeah, absolutely. It is better. All right, let's get to some LA Galaxy talk. Uh, the first thing is a kid update. Why a kid update? Because things have changed. We talked and you heard me griping on Thursday. Um, we talked about the fact that the LA Galaxy's authentic kit, and we can confirm this now. Um, I did get a chance to talk to the LA Galaxy and Chris Thomas over there. Um, and so we were able to have a discussion about this and sort of how things went down. So um, there are currently the authentic that the LA Galaxy players will wear on the field, both their home and their secondary jersey, the community kit. Uh, includes the honey patch on the right hand side, includes herbal life on the left hand side patch, right? So that's the herbal life 24. Uh, that's the same logo you will remember that you saw at the MLS's back tournament, which is interesting whenever you think about how that was added in. And whenever I was talking to everybody, sort of the idea behind the MLS's back tournament, Kevin, was uh, and offering up the sponsorship space on those sleeves was very simple. It was about retention, right? You have a sponsor who paid a whole bunch of money 
for you to be played in games, right? To have the logo played in games, to have it on every Galaxy kit. Um, you had this sponsor who wasn't getting all the things they were supposed to be getting during the pandemic, right, Kevin? Because you had to redu- reduce game count. You had to reduce, uh, you know, television imprint. You had to re- There were no fans in the stadium to see the players wearing it. So when you think about it, Herbalife got significantly less than they paid for last year. And so MLS was trying to open up some more sponsor space and putting it on the sleeve. That's why there was double Herbalife 24s on both sides for the MLS's back tournament. And the whole idea there was trying to keep um, sponsors happy and safe. All right. That that's that was the whole idea behind all that. I don't think anybody's surprised at any of that. But with MLS trying to keep retention, that's why there was that double patch deal. Now, this time it's a little bit different. Uh, I was told that the negotiations between Honey and the LA Galaxy took, you know, a couple months, maybe three months, something like that, maybe even a little bit longer. But that's a new sponsor. And so it takes a lot of time. You have to sort of mold the agreement. You have to convince somebody you're selling them on the LA Galaxy brand. And so, Kevin, you have to go in there and sort of say, okay, we're going to do this, this, this and this. And this is the deal. And it takes months to sort of iron that out for everybody to sign on the line and for honey patches to be available and put on um, the kits. Now, it should be noted that the right sleeve is the primary sponsor sleeve and the left side, the left sleeve is the secondary sponsor sleeve. All right. The honey logo is the primary sponsor of the sleeve. And so uh, in general, I believe they pay more for that particular space than the identical side on the left. We'll see if that's actually the case. But, you know, that's that's sort of the hint there um, that there's a primary. So I was told by the LA Galaxy that basically the Honey deal was, you know, something they really had to work at. They got it and it was done. The Herbalife, because Kevin, the LA Galaxy have a relationship now with Herbalife that spans, I think, 16 plus years. Um, So 16 plus years in their history, not nearly as high level in the talks. Okay, so if you and I know each other for 16 years, I can say, hey, Kevin, do you want to go and do you want to buy this burger off me for $20? And you're like, well, I mean, I bought a burger off you every year for, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, the $20 is fine. Normally you pay $5,000 for the burger. So you're telling me this burger just cost $20. It doesn't take as much paperwork. The relationship is already there. It's it's a little bit more low level in terms of the the viewing ship and the understanding of everything that's going on within the organization. And so the Herbalife deal got put together quickly. It got put together quickly, Kevin, and got put on the jerseys in a relatively short amount of time and relatively close to the media media day. And so at least according to the LA galaxy, they were not aware. Um, whenever I was talking to Chris, he was not aware that that deal had been done whenever we were talking about the MLS patches and everything else that was going on. All right, so that is why you now have an Herbalife 24 patch on the left sleeve, a honey patch on the right sleeve, and why if it's truly an authentic kit, and we can certainly argue about the 17 different versions of the authentic kit, if you wanted it to look exactly like it does on the field, it's now impossible to do. And the reason it'll be impossible to do is currently the LA Galaxy are not planning, and MLS apparently has a rule against the second sleeve sponsor being available at retail. All right, Kevin. So you can't even get the patch and put it on your kit because that's an MLS rule of some sort for some reason, some way. So MLS is basically saying buy the authentic jersey, but you can't ever buy the authentic jersey because we ban that by rule. Yeah, It seems that way. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like MLS and the Galaxy are sort of lying to people whenever they're like, here, buy this authentic. By the way, it's not going to look like it does on the field. And maybe that increases their value of you know the game worn shirts and everything else but to me it offers so much variability into the design that 
trying to figure out where all these kits land. Like if let's say you're a collector and I know this is a small portion of, of people and Kevin, I know you're a, a huge collector and all you do is worry about sneakers um, and shirts. Yes. Oh. You're, you're Baron, Bayern Munich uh, shirt on there as well. Um, but let's say you're a collector. One of the first things you do whenever you go look for a shirt uh, to see like, Hey, I'm going to buy that shirt from this guy who's going to charge me 250 bucks for it because it's not made anymore. It's not around. One of the first things you do is look at photos and you're going to look at photos of the players wearing them. And you're going to be like, Oh, okay, well there's none that doesn't have the same patches. So there's so many different versions of that, um, that it's, it's just, it's weird in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, me, I know, yeah. I know about that collectible stuff. I watch a lot of pawn stars. Okay. I always go over that stuff. Yes. Yes. Right. They're looking for, they're looking for the source photos whenever they do that. So yeah, uh, that will be harder because there will be about 13 different variations on this. I will tell you the LA galaxy still have plans that if you would like to add the MLS patch to your kit, um, or the honey patch to your kit that they're still having plans to rectify that situation for you. We talked about, you know, a small sort of fee. In fact, season ticket members, and this is not final. Um, so this could change, but season ticket members might even have that paid for. Okay. Might even have it paid for where you could go in and get the honey patch and the MLS patch. If you're a season ticket member, you go into the LA galaxy team store at the stadium, you get those pressed and put on, and it might not even cost you any money. There might still be a charge, but they're sort of trying to work that out. But that's the galaxy's plan is still to put it up. So I know there are people out there, Kevin, who went out and spent extra money to get an MLS patch because that's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be authentic. Um, and the LA galaxy led us to believe that as well. But because somebody didn't know about something else that was going on there, you get stuck with a Jersey with that has an MLS patch on it and isn't necessarily uh, a correct version anymore. I don't know. It just, it, it feels like it just rubs me all the wrong way. I just, I don't like any of this. It doesn't feel like it was, it was handled a hundred percent correctly. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about this and, and look, my take on it is did the Jersey, uh, did the galaxy and MLS handle the Jersey launch poorly? Yeah, uh, of course they did. I have no problem saying that I've built much of my so-called career on calling the galaxy out for dumb stuff. So, you know, I have no problem with that, but you know, I really haven't lost any sleep over the whole Jersey thing. And I just think there's bigger fish to fry. I mean, it's a team coming back from a season um, in which only one game was played before fans because of a deadly pandemic. The team missed the playoffs for the third time in four years. It's starting the new season with its fifth coach in five seasons. It has four goalkeepers in camp with a combined four games of MLS experience. The leading scorer from last season uh, has been accused of rape. The highest paid player talked like he joined a new age cult in the offseason. The player, uh, the coach is most excited about is a 34-year-old who, who's played 14 minutes for his last club. And the team roster is 40% vacant less than a month before the season opener. So, you know, the shirt, it may be a problem to some, but it's uh, it ranks way down the list of things I'm worried about with the Galaxy right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and I, I will counter it with this. Um, people spend a lot of money on season tickets, and so your, your point is certainly a valid one. People also spent a ton of money on kits that they thought were going to look like the ones the players were going to wear. And you could have just bought a replica at this point, and it might have been closer to what the finished product will actually be. So there's truth in advertising. Everybody knew that the LA Galaxy were rebuilding whenever they re-upped their season tickets. So there's no there's no hidden thing sort of there that you're like, oh, um, it's interesting that the Galaxy are no longer offering tickets this season through a season ticket package. Um, that technically all the seats being offered right now are offered outside of the season ticket member agreement, which is interesting because whenever people were trying to cancel their tickets before during the pandemic, there was an agreement to follow. But whenever the LA Galaxy want to do it, they, they can just say, well, we're going to operate outside that agreement. And that's really what's happening for these for these first games. Well, 
and, and I was just going to say something about the jerseys. Another reason to, to, to criticize the Galaxy for this and, and sort of to validate your point about how much money people are paying for this and all that. I remember the day of the jersey launch. Everybody was talking about people were going crazy. They sold out, you know, all the jerseys in like 11 seconds and people paid, you know, top dollar for it. And the Galaxy at that point had to know there were conversations going on about this other patch. They had to know they hadn't had the patch thing uh, ironed out, so to speak unintended um and yet they went ahead with it anyways and so the people that created the stir and created all the attention about this team good attention good publicity for the team you know the 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 really hardcore supporters in a sense it kind of feels like they were taken because if you had waited if you had said i'm going to wait until you know the summer when i go to my first game or whatever if you had waited you might get the authentic jersey you might get to collect the one instead if you're one of the people that bought the jerseys on the day of the launch, now you have to go back and spend another 150 plus or whatever it costs yeah. to get the real jersey. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll say this. I think anybody who got the jersey, Kevin, isn't exactly upset uh, upset about it. Um, like in terms of they want to give the jersey back. I think some of them maybe are. Um, so I'll say that, you know, in general, it's a small amount of people who are upset, but it just, I don't love it. The, the good news is uh, the Julian Araujo stuff, the number 22, he tweeted out. Um, he said, basically, and I'll paraphrase. Uh, he said, hey, I heard some of you may have gotten a kit with the wrong number, the number 22 on it. He goes, if you go ahead and DM the LA Galaxy or, contact, or email the LA Galaxy uh, with the receipt, we'll go ahead and fix that to make sure you get a number two. Um, you get to keep your 22 and you get the number two. I want to be clear about that. I knew about this plan very early on and they wanted Julian to announce this. Um, so that way Julian could could, I mean, rightfully sort of, you know, help the supporters out and do this. I know some fans were worried, Kevin, that Julian was paying for it out of his own pocket. And I'll just say, don't worry about that. If you want a kit, you'll you'll be fine um, there. Uh, from what I'm from what I uh, I know is that they're giving people codes to order a basically a free number two. Um, and so you get to keep your 22 and you get the number two. So I implore you that if you got a 22, you have your receipt uh, that you can go ahead and get a number two on there and, and get that shipped out to you. And that's going to be a little while because everybody's out of stock of stuff and, you know, some of the stuff isn't coming for a little while. But just understand that, that you can now get, keep your 22 and get a number two. And Julian Araujo tweeted all that out. And I know people who have already taken advantage of that. Okay, so if you get the number two and you have to wait a couple of months for it to come, does it have both patches? No, because they're not going to offer oh. the the Herbalife 24 at retail. I mean, that's okay. the, that's again, that's sort of the whole rub on this is that, hey, we could fix it. No, nope, we can't fix it. You know, and for the people who got patches put on, there's no way to fix that. You can't untake a patch off. It doesn't work that way. Untake uh, a patch off. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's English. Interesting way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. English. Maybe we'll we'll see. So anyway, that's where we go. Um, that's your update on kits. I don't expect to have another update for you. I think we're done. I think that's the last update. So um, hopefully the LA Galaxy come out and say some of this stuff instead of just me saying it. But you know, honestly. I have to imagine that they think that uh, the people who are upset probably are listening to me um, and that there's five of them and that, you know, you guys will all have been uh, placated by my my anger and my upset upsetness. And uh, and, you know, that's sort of where it sits. So uh, we'll go from that into the L.A. Galaxy's actual preseason. Uh, the L.A. Galaxy versus San Diego Loyal. They played in a preseason closed door game. It was not streamed. Um, there were some updates tweeted out by some of the teams. If you're watching the San Diego Loyal. Remember, this is Greg Vanny versus uh Landon Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. So that was, it was kind of fun. They had a good uh, picture up there that said, uh, that said, uh, you know, the bosses and they were, they were standing talking to each other. So those guys were there. Um, this is what we know about the games. There were two 60 minute scrimmages that took place. Okay. So 60 
minutes all the way through. Uh, Greg Vanny talked a whole bunch, Kevin, about, you know, pushing fitness um, and making sure guys were ready um, whenever all this was going on. So really, it was about stretching some fitness on some of this. What we have is we have a lineup from game one. We do not have a lineup from game two, and I can explain game two. But your lineup from game number one, um, a pretty simple one. Uh, it's with with Jonathan Bond in goal. Uh, you had uh, Danilo Acosta. Uh, you had Depew. You had Steres. You had Cuevas uh, on the defensive side. You have Saldana and Dunbar and Kluschen and Perez in the midfield. You had Zubak, and you had Augie Williams up top there as well. That was and four four two. I was gonna say that was uh, a first team lineup for this particular scrimmage because the second lineup, which was not released, I can tell you, I can I I, I didn't get all the names mostly because it was explained to me that the second lineup was mostly G two guys, Galaxy two guys, and some of the homegrowns and draft picks that that didn't get to play in in game number one. You'll notice, Kevin, if we go over this particular list that we see. Uh, I can count on my hand two starters total in this entire starting 11 in terms of actual first-team guys. I would say that Jonathan Bond is a starter and Daniel Starris is a starter. Um, and outside of that, it looks like they rotated most of the guys out of this particular um, you know, uh, a, a game. So that's, that's what you got. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's almost like, dude, can we take anything from that? Like, what actually happened in the scrimmage? There, well, the, I, th- I think one thing is we know where Jonathan Dos Santos is. We know where Julian Araujo is. Uh, we know where we Leggett is. We know where... We know where Leggett is, yeah. but we don't, we don't know where Chicharito is or was. We don't know v- what, what happened with Villafania. Um, you know, a couple of guys, Vasquez isn't in the country yet. Um, uh, we don't know what happened to uh, o- O'Neal. O'Neal Fisher, uh, Derek Williams, understand he is not 100% fit. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys that, um, you know, it, it wasn't a first team lineup, so that's OK. We, you know, it's not like we're missing, uh, you know, guys are missing reps with one another because half the first team wasn't wasn't even available anyways. But, it, you know, where are these other guys? And I think Chicharito is, is a guy that he's not off for the national team. He he you know, he missed a lot of time last year to injury. He's got a new coach. Um, I, I, why is he not on the field? I mean, I, that question was not answered, it, it, at least to my satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, it seems that they rested a whole bunch of first-teamers, and maybe that indicates that Jonathan Bond is not a first-teamer. I don't believe that. Um, That Daniel Starris is not a first-teamer. I don't believe that either. But if you're saying, hey, where are these guys? I can plug guys into this and and make some things sort of fit. Um, But at the same time, it feels like Vanny was rotating most of the guys, but not all of the guys. Like, there were some guys who recovered well and were fit enough, Kevin, that they were able to come through and sort of, um, you know, play in the 60 minutes and, and be able to get that. And then there were some guys who were either recovering from a heavier day that didn't have the recovery down pat, all those different things. I mean, they're training at a certain clip and almost not even worrying about when the games hit right now. And I think that changes whenever you have New England next week because that's a first team, first team game. I mean, you're going to see, I think, uh, you know, an actual first team lineup and it's going to be our first view. Again, that game is on Spectrum Sportsnet, but it'll be our first view of perhaps what Vanny is thinking in terms of starting lineup. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's mixed again because there are so many people who are missing. Now, we also know scores in this particular game. Um, we know it was a one nothing score 
and the goal was scored by Johnny Perez. All right. So we know that that happened. And if you're watching on the video, we actually have um, some of the video of that goal and sort of some of the some of the play that was going on. But uh, we know that Johnny Perez scored. But really, it was Cuevas, who, again, isn't even signed to the first team right now. It was Cuevas who came through and made this goal happen as he sort of put four or five uh, defenders uh, back and away. So Cuevas starting in place of Julian Araujo, starting in place of, of O'Neill Fisher on that right-hand side, um, came through, made some good runs, played a whole bunch of things, and got the ball over to Johnny Perez, who was able to slot it home for the one nothing. But that was a Cuevas goal. Um, so if you're looking for, for some positives out of that, uh, it seems that Cuevas is certainly trying to make an impression that he wants to be a, a first-teamer there, Kevin. So, um, you know, again, that's I, I think that's good. In the second game, we know the game was tied 1-1. We know that uh, draft pick Preston Judd uh, scored the goal. Um, it was a penalty kick goal. So, you know, you're not exactly, you know, uh, burning the bridge, uh, bur burning everything down with the fire that the LA Galaxy were putting out on offense. But, you know, look at the guys who were playing in that first game. You had Zubak up top. You had Williams up top. I mean, Williams, again, isn't even signed to a first team contract. So, you know, we, we always try to take something from this and we try to see if there is partnerships in any of this stuff. And when I look at this, I can't tell you that there is a, a partnership in any of this that, that's going on right now. It's guys playing in positions, but, but not partnerships. Well, and, and I think you're probably right. You know, the, the, the first team guys got the day off and this was against a USL championship team. And so that's probably appropriate to play some of the second team guys in that game, um, you know, sort of match their, uh, talent level a little bit and not put those guys against MLS people right from the start. I do think you're right that the game this week will be uh, in the big stadium under the lights. There'll probably be, you know, a lot of first team players in there will be against an, uh, a quality MLS team, a playoff team, uh, Bruce Arena's team. The, the other interesting thing is we've seen, um, we have not been meeting the media uh, fans too, I, I would assume, but all practices, training sessions have been closed. The scrimmage was closed. So we haven't been out to see the Galaxy this year, this calendar year at all. Um, it, it looks like they're training on the backfield, though, the old Bruce Arena backfield behind yes. the stadium over adjacent to the track stadium in Cal State Dominguez Hills. That's interesting for a lot of reasons, and, and we don't know why that is. They could be resodding the front fields, which belong to U.S. soccer, I believe. Um, it, you know, under Kurt Anolfo, they moved out to those front fields, and they stayed there under Guillermo. Now they're on the backfields. Um, it's interesting because that's where Bruce Arena won all of his MLS Cups, training on that backfield, scrimmaging on that backfield. They moved to the front field. You know, I, I'm a guy that I, you know, I have to admit, I'm a little bit superstitious. And I, you wonder if Greg Vanny is too. He knows a lot about the tradition of this team. He never, I don't believe he ever played for the Galaxy, did he, when they were at uh, um, Disney Health Sports Park? I think final he, year? I think his final year. Yeah, I think yeah, his Yeah, when he came back. So, you know, but but he certainly knows the stories and has heard the stories. And when he came through with Toronto, he knew what they were doing. So maybe the move to the backfield is is one of Greg's uh, ways to sort of link to the tradition of the past. And if it is, I'm in favor of that. I think that's a pretty cool thing. It's a really cool thing. Um, it, it's funny. I asked. I said, so why, why, are, why are, are, are they training on the backfields? I was told there's we have so many fields here. Why not use them all? Which is true. There are a ton of fields at Dignity Hill Sports Park in the complex there. Um, the U.S. soccer fields, actually the, the the fields that are out front sort of in that terraced section um, that I think there's three fields that sort of cascade down the hill um, are, are technically called the U.S. soccer fields and are supposed to be held for U.S. soccer to use whenever they, um, you know, come and train at Dignity.
Dignity Health Sports Park as they have done over the years. There's a U.S. soccer locker room. Um, there's U.S. soccer, you know, gym facilities and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, I mean, you know, those are sort of those fields. And as long as U.S. soccer says it's fine that the Galaxy can train on them, they have. And listen, they're not going to say no for the most part. That's going to be there. Um, the university fields, which are the backfields there, are, are the ones that I remember whenever I first started going going and covering training was where I, you would watch you know, the, uh, the trainings with Bruce arena and you'd watch them come up the, uh, up the stairs through the back as they would come down through the underneath the loading dock area of dignity health sports park. And then they would walk up the stairs and up the stairs across the street and into the gate and university field one there. Um, and if you were a fan, uh, you could sort of hang out near those stairs and that's where you would, you could get some autographs, that type of thing. Obviously with COVID everything shut down right now. So nobody's really getting that interaction, that type of thing. But the, I, I don't feel that it is not a thing that they're training on those backfields, Kevin. It feels like it's a thing. And so, you know, at least for now, we'll sort of say maybe it is a thing. Maybe it's going back to the tradition. Well, and there is one thing that the fields out front are really nice. They're like pool tables. They're very smooth and 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 they play really well. And, and you can tell they've been taken care of and that a lot of money has been spent to make them quality fields. You can play real games in those fields. They're really good. The backfield, not so much. It's a little bumpier. There are holes in it. Uh, it gets muddy. It's not taking, it doesn't appear to be taken care of with the same, uh, you know, TLC, but you know what? That's uh, Bruce arena made it work. And, and I would not be surprised if that's sort of part of the charm of those fields. Look, if you go out and you train every day on those fields, as long as nobody gets hurt, and I don't know that anyone's ever been injured because of the fields, but if you go out and play on those fields every day and you can handle the the, the, the rough bounces and, and some of the bumps that don't go the way that you anticipate uh, them to go, when you get on a real MLS field, it's so much easier. And you know, I, I, that, that may be part of the reason. I don't know. Uh, maybe it, it's something that nobody ever thought of, but certainly when you go from that rough field to uh, the field inside the stadium or, or even uh, another field around MLS, it's got to be a lot easier to play. And and so why not do that? Why not make it tough in training? That's what training's for. And when you get on the real field, everything's so much easier. Uh, I was going to say, you better use like tough in quotation marks because one, I don't want to see you buried under the field whenever the <laughs> Dignity Health Sports Park groundskeeping crew comes after you. And two is that the university field back there, the one and two, and I think even three and four, there's four fields as they stretch back there, are still nicer than any park that anybody plays in. Um, well, it's nicer than when Greg Vanny played at the Rose Bowl and they had to pick the dirts and, and dirt and, it, and rock and glass up. And, and I would imagine if they're training back there that the, the grounds crew is taking a pretty good care. So again, use rough in quotation marks. It's probably not as nice as the center field. It's maybe a, not as nice as the U.S. soccer fields out front, but those are degrees of uh, of, of yeah, separation. They, they're small they're, degrees. They're degrees. Certainly, you're not going to go down to Mile Square Park and play. But, um, uh, you know, you just bring, bring up the whole thing with Greg Vanny and what happened at the Rose Bowl. It kind of fits into my argument even nicer. Greg Vanny knew what those rough fields did for him. And again, we're using rough and tough in quotes, relatively speaking. Um, uh, you know, the fields are not as pristine as others, relatively speaking. But but Greg Vanny talked in his first press conference, at least the first time he spoke to me after he got the job, about the Rose Bowl fields and, and how he thought that that made them a better team playing on those fields. So maybe there is something to this. Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll have to see if there's, a, if there's some mind games going on. If Greg Vanny is a master manipulator, much as Bruce arena was, 
Um, so my, my, my most uh, treasured moments on those university fields was watching uh, preseason scrimmages, which are always fun to watch, just that way you can sort of see the team and how they're trying to put things together. Um, it's always uh, interesting to watch a game uh, from approximately three feet from the touchline while guys are yelling at you. And I certainly remember Mike McGee had a horrible potty mouth. Uh, I enjoyed that. And then my other favorite memories are uh, of Bruce Arena just screaming at Omar Gonzalez to no end. Um, and that was also fun as well. So, uh, there's some good memories on university field one. I, 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 I like the fact that they're back there. Let's, uh, let's switch gears. Uh, let's go a little bit to some of the guys who are missing. And we talked a whole bunch. We know Julian Rajo is gone. We know Sebastian Legette is gone. We know Jonathan Dos Santos and Efrain Alvarez are gone. That's four guys. And three of those guys, let's see, Araujo, Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos are starters for the LA galaxy. So you're already missing three guys there. Um, and we know that they're away on international duty. Let's start with Julian Araujo because he had, uh, so far, the most interesting uh, away time. He's with the U23s, the U.S. U23s, as they try and qualify for the Olympics coming up in Japan. Uh, they're in the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. They played a, uh, their first game against, was it uh, Costa Rica? First game was against Costa Rica, and, and uh, Araujo came off late in the game, came on late in the game, and played almost more of a winger, more yes. of a midfielder than he did a defender. Yeah, he was on. I think he was on the left side too. So they inverted him right. on, on the winger in that. And then, uh, as expected, because of the quick turnarounds, the altitude, and the heat, Araujo played all ninety minutes in the U.S.'s game against Dominican Republic. It was a boring first half, but Julian Araujo really was the overall provider of offense for a lot of this game. He was providing the service. He was coming up from the right hand side. Um, for the most part, Dominican Republic was not putting a whole bunch of pressure on the U.S., although it was a sketchy sort of first half. But in that second half, the U.S ended up getting a 4-0 win. Araujo probably could have had two or three assists if there was some better finishing. So he did. He had what I think was one of the best games uh, or best, best. He was one of the best players on the field uh, for well, that 90 minutes, in, in my opinion. And Jason Christ, I don't believe he, he name-checked uh, Araujo. I don't know that he, I, I can't remember whether he mentioned his name, but he did talk about how after the first half, they talked at halftime about they needed to get the ball out of the midfield. They needed to play wider. And anyone watching the game will know that that uh, Araujo hugged the, the sidelines for the whole second half uh, and did, as you said, did set up a lot of the offense. They scored four goals in the second half. Um, and Araujo, as you said, was was you know involved in a lot of that offense. And, and again, playing very wide and then crossing the ball in a great distance. Um, so where the U.S. is now, they won both their first two games. Um, Mexico won both their first two games. So both of those teams will play one another on Wednesday. It doesn't matter the result. They're both into the into the semifinals of the CONCACAF Olympic trials. Um, they will play uh, the other uh, group B. It's wide open right now. Um, it Canada, Haiti, El Salvador, and Honduras. A any two of those four would go to the semifinals. So the game Wednesday, Mexico and the U.S., the winner will play the second place team from group B and the, and the, the loser will play the first place team. So there is something at stake. So they get after Wednesday's game, then they move on to the semifinals on Sunday. This is where uh, the rubber meets the road because the two semifinal winners, they go to Tokyo. The final doesn't matter. The final is for seeding only lose the semifinal and you don't go to the Olympics, win the semifinal. And if you're the U S you go to the Olympics for the first time since 2008, um, Honduras and Mexico have really dominated this competition in CONCACAF. Both of those guys have been there four times since 2000, the U S trying to go for the first time since 2008. And remember it's a U 23 tournament. So once th this qualifying team qualifies, you can change the roster and the U S roster. When you're looking at U 23 players, you have Serginho Dent, you have uh, Christian Pulisic, you have Weston McKinney, you have Gio Reyna. 
that doesn't mean those guys are going to go. They have to be released by the, their clubs. The Olympics if for the men is not a FIFA tournament. Right. So um, these teams have to be released by their clubs. But you can imagine if the U.S. goes to the Olympics, a U23 tournament, mm-hmm. and they have guys you know, like Christian Pulisic and, and Gio Reyna and some of those players, it could be pretty interesting. Other countries can bring uh, – Brazil can bring Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City. Um, uh, it, it could be, uh, you know, a really interesting tournament. Uh, Mbappe from France can I was come play. Say, He's also France has a goal. France has a great U23 side whenever you look at it as well. So, I mean, but you're talking – Let's let's just pretend for a second that World Cup qualifiers weren't a thing, that schedule congestion weren't a thing, that you know that everybody would get released if they asked for it, right? If you wouldn't, the U.S. has at least a small chance, and I don't think you could say this in years past, a small chance of of getting a medal um, in this, and in fact, might be one of the top three teams sort of in there if they can bring the quote unquote A team. It'd be interesting because then Julian Araujo might not actually be playing either, so. Um, there's a lot of the stuff to start. The game uh, that you want to watch on Wednesday is March 24th. Uh, it's a 6.30 uh, uh, Pacific Daylight Time kickoff. That game is on FS1 and TUDN uh, if you want to watch Julian Araujo play. Let's talk about the other guys who are on international duty with the senior teams. That's Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Efrain Alvarez. Uh, Legette is away with the U.S. men's national team. They have two games they're playing. They'll play on 325 Thursday. It's a 10 a.m. game. They're playing against Jamaica in Austria. Um, technically, they're playing at the same stadium that Mexico will play on Tuesday whenever Mexico goes against Costa Rica in Austria on uh, on 3.30, so on March 30th. Uh, the other game for the United States is Northern Ireland versus the United States. That's on Sunday, 9 a.m. in Northern Ireland. It's on Fox. Uh, the first game, by the way, the U.S. and Jamaica with Sebastian Legette in tow is ESPN2 um, and TUDN. So you can watch those games. The other ones uh, for Jonathan Dos Santos and Efra and Alvarez. Remember Alvarez up with the senior team. Uh, it's Wales versus Mexico on March 27th, Saturday at 1 p.m. That game is in Wales. It's in Cardiff. Uh, and then Costa Rica versus Mexico again in Austria Tuesday at 1 p.m. That's March 30th, Tuesday at 1 p.m. So now, let's talk a little bit just for a second, briefly about where Efrain Alvarez is. He has played in a U-17 World Cup for Mexico. That has tentatively cap-tied him to Mexico. He can apply for a one-time change of association he can change one time. He can go from Mexico and play for the U.S. Um, he has not done that yet. Uh, he was invited into the U.S. camp by Greg Berhalter in December. Greg Berhalter didn't – he couldn't use him in a game. He wanted to invite him in. He said, take a look around. See how we do things. See if you're comfortable here. We think you're a great player. We'd love to have you. But don't make a rash decision. This will, you know, this will follow you for the rest of your life. Take a look around. Tato Martino from Mexico saw that, decided he would call Efrain up for the senior team. This time, he can play for the senior team in these friendlies. It won't cap tie him any more than he already is. He can play in these two games. Greg Berhalter, I thought, was very mature. Uh, had had a very good response to that. He said, "I'm I'm glad Efrain is with Mexico. I talked to him. I told him, look, you can't make a decision on which side is better if you don't see both. Enjoy your time with Mexico. Take a look around. See where you want to be." And, and then make your decision. His parents are from Mexico. He was born here. He can play for either side. I think one thing that he has to be very careful with decision, though, he's still a teenager. Right. Uh, his, you know, his whole soccer career is in front of him. But when he looks at the U.S., he's looking at this team that, that was called up. They're uh, just a month average age, just a month over 23 years old. This U-22 team that the U.S. has 
if the, everyone's called up the U23 team with Pulisic and Weston McKinney. And there's some great people that he's going to be competing with for playing time. And that's some great players he'll be playing with, like Serginho Detz and Chris Richards, people like that. I think the U.S. team is going to be really good through the heart of Efrain Alvarez's career. Now, Mexico right now, they're doing pretty well in the U23 and the Olympic qualifying, but that's not their first team. Mexico is a very old team. Um, they are essentially the same team that played in Russia, where it was one of the oldest teams in the World Cup. So I, I kind of anticipate Mexico maybe is going to is going to have a hard time going forward. It could be kind of rough during the middle of Efrain's career. The difference is Efrain probably winds up, if he plays those potential, is going to be a guy who's going to see a lot of playing time for that Mexico team. Maybe not so much in the U.S. You know, there's a lot of competition there. That competition will make him a better player. Right. Does he want to play? Does he want to get I mean, there's a lot of questions to answer, and he does need to take a look around and see where he's more comfortable. There, there's no hurry for him. The, the, the big deal would be him getting three senior team matches, um, and so that's something that sort of is out there. Uh, or a competitive match, if he plays in a competitive match. Yeah, in, in a compet- or, or a single competitive match. Uh, again, right. it, the, the one-time switch for him, and I think we've covered this, is, uh, is not something he needs to do right now, and it, he would never make that decision right now. I, that's just not in his wheelhouse and it's not and it shouldn't be i also think greg berhalter is in a position where he doesn't need efrain alvarez and so he can easily say hey go check them out and see i mean you can you can talk the big talk whenever you are you know the bigger man on campus and the u.s slowly and let's not get ahead of ourselves is slowly thinking that they're going to be good for the next you know three world cup cycles i mean that seems a, a pretty fair bet um, and so with that, they can sort of sit there and say, Hey, yeah, Ephraim, go check it out and see how it is. But anyway, if, if you're a galaxy fan, you want Ephraim playing in these senior team matches, you want to see him play in Mexico. Uh, that's why you want to watch, uh, Wales versus Mexico on Saturday at 1 PM and Costa Rica versus Mexico on uh, Tuesday. And I don't have uh, TV information cause it wasn't available, but I'll find that and we'll try to get that for, for Thursday. So that way we can have that as it goes forward. But those guys are all gone. Arajo's gone. Leggett is gone. Dos Santos is gone. Alvarez is gone. Grand Sur isn't in camp. Vasquez isn't in camp. You have Derek Williams, who probably isn't 100% fit, or at least that's what we think right now. That may be totally incorrect because we really haven't gotten a, a, a super huge time to sort of grill uh, Greg Vanny on injuries and sort of where everything is at. And this first game, here sort of allows that um, I would have liked and we didn't get to ask questions after this game. The galaxy asked themselves questions, which is always fun. Uh, the first question out of my mouth would have been wh- where are the starters and why were you rotating guys? Like what was the idea behind this? Because you want to know why Chicharito isn't there. People Gonzalez isn't there, you know, um, by why Viafania isn't there. You want to know those answers so that way you can sort of understand how Vanny is planning this. And I'm sure he has an answer for it. I'm sure it would have been an easy answer, but we don't know what that answer is. Uh, so until we get the next media call, which is scheduled on Thursday, um, and if that is a topic then, uh, which it may be or may not be, it all depends on sort of what news comes out and what sort of happens in the near future. Um, you know, depending on all that, uh, it, it might be a question that we can sort of dig into with, with Greg whenever that comes in. So, well, and I'm wondering if there's something up this week because Greg Vanny's last time with the media was the day after Vasquez, uh, what mm-hmm. the signing was announced. I wonder if this, you know, we know that press conference is Thursday. I wonder if something's going to happen Wednesday. Let, let's let's not confuse people because I refuse to call what we do a press conference because press conferences usually announce something. We have a media call on Thursday. All right, we get to catch up with media some availability. Players. Yes, it's media availability. It's not a not a press conference. All right. I I, I was sort of uh, hopping up and down on people on Thursday about that, but I'm like, listen, 
when there's a press conference, there's something to be announced. When it's a media call or media availability, then it's just normal. Hey, we're going to talk and and sort of see things out. But you're you're not wrong. There could they got pushed to Thursday, so uh, you know, sort of went down the line. I actually, almost didn't expect them to have one this week because we went a week without one before, and I thought maybe we were going to do every two weeks. Uh, but with preseason games coming up, it's probably time to ramp that up into uh, into every week. So and this will be on Zoom again. Yeah, yes. Hey, you know what though? I can attend a lot more of these whenever they're on Zoom. Me having to well, go to training is 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 a lot harder for me. Well, I I wonder if Greg Van is going to use the cat filter this time. <laughs> that would be that would be cool. Greg I am a cat. I am here, Your Honor, and I am not a cat. That's that's still that's one of my favorite videos I've seen in a long time. So anyway, if you haven't seen that one, just go look it up. Uh, all right, roster. Let's get to the roster and talk about this a little bit. We have some other things that we're going to clean up here at the end, and we do have a rumor coming out about another Frenchman uh, that we want to talk about, and we have some stats and some things we can discuss. But I want to talk about the roster as it sits right now because there's some interesting things if you go to the MLS webpage and you sort of look at where so far the LA Galaxy have designated their rosters and we talk about rosters and roster building and I can tell you that you know there are 27 of 30 um, you know uh, uh, spots currently filled on the senior roster but where those rosters are actually designated Kevin is an important part of understanding where we think the LA Galaxy are uh, they they contain the senior MLS uh, describes the senior roster as as basically one through 20. That is your senior roster. That is what the salary cap is based on, by the way. One through 20, not 20 through 30. 20 through 30 technically don't count against the salary cap. Uh, most of your homegrowns are in that 20 to 30 range, so that makes sense because they're already exempt from the cap. But a supplemental player or a supplemental slots in different places, those technically aren't counted against the cap. So there is ways to designate people to be advantageous to what you're going for. Well, the LA Galaxy, when you figure that 12 of 20 um, excuse me, that 20, the first 20 slots are the senior team, Kevin, currently have 12 of those 20 slots filled, which is super interesting because that means that there are eight senior team roster spots that have to be filled um, before you sort of move on. Now, that doesn't mean the LA Galaxy are going to go out and sign eight more players because there are some other guys in here that you look at and say, well, you know, the supplemental roster slots from 25 to 30, Kevin, which is sort of the back end, usually uh, slots number 29 and 30 have to be filled by homegrown players. None of that matters. You don't have to pay attention to it. I just want to make, say it so that way people won't say that I got something wrong. But if you look at the supplemental slots right now, that 25 through 30, the Galaxy have over their allotted numbers. So they're going to be moving some of those guys to a senior roster spot. And whenever they do that, that's going to take up some of those 12 to 20. But the bottom line is that there is room in that senior roster to sort of make some moves. Uh, there's a designated player spot open. We know that two of three of those are, 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 are covered right now. Six of eight international slots are filled. The galaxy can bring in at least two more internationals as well. Um, so there's still some roster building to be done, but Kevin, you wanted to talk about, and I think it's a good thing to go over is sort of grading the LA galaxy in their roster building in this off season. So, um, where do you want to start? Well, I'll go first. We talked about this earlier. We both give them an incomplete. Yes. Um, and it, you can't do anything more when 40% of the first team roster is not even there. If you break the team down into four categories you have goalkeepers back line midfield and and the attackers the forwards 
Um, I think they've done a great job with the back line. The back back line in my in my mind has greatly improved the additions of O'Neill Fisher and and Derek Williams. Derek Williams, I think, will compete for a starting job at center back. Uh, O'Neill Fisher, I think, is a backup. He'll play a lot when Araujo is away. Um, a, a healthy Danilo Acosta is going to make a big difference. We talked a, a little bit about Jorge Villafani and whether or not he's actually an upgrade over in Sua. I was a big Insua fan. He started every game last year, was really solid. But I think Viafania is much more offensive-oriented. He's, he's really good at crosses from that left wing. Uh, I think he fits Fanny's style a lot better. We know Araujo will start on the right side. I really like the defense. I think it's greatly improved. I think it's versatile, and I think it's deep. You know, you have Steris, and you have uh, Dupuy, and you have, you know, Dupuy. It, it, it's just a really good, solid – I haven't even mentioned people Gonzalez, who's a Costa Rican World Cup player. Um, so it, it's a really good, deep uh, back line. Incomplete everywhere else. David Bingham is gone. He gave up 154 goals in 85 games. He's gone now. Um, but a lot of that wasn't his fault. The back line was just so bad. In his place, we have three, four goalkeepers now who have a four combined MLS games of experience. Those four games all belong to Jonathan Klinsman, who didn't even join the team until late August. So, you know, is Jonathan Bond the guy? I don't know. We, had, we don't know that yet. Incomplete there. The midfield has some solid pieces, Leggett, Dos Santos, Kleshton, um, but a lot of question marks. We don't know much about Grant Sir. We don't, you know, uh, Victor Vasquez. I know Greg Vanny's real high on him, 34 years old. He's played one game in, in about the last year. You have to think there's a lot more to come there because that's just not complete. And then the same up front, it, 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 Javier Hernandez, when he comes back, is he the Javier Hernandez of last year or is he the Javier Hernandez of before that when he was, uh, you know, really a dangerous striker? Um, if we don't get if we get the one back from last year, could be a long season. Um, it's and especially if Christian Pavone doesn't return. We don't know what's up with Christian Pavone and his lawsuit down in Argentina. He may not be available. He certainly even if things get wrapped up today with this ankle surgery, he's not available for the first month of the season. That leaves right now, Ethan Zubek is the only true forward. So, again, back line, they've done some great job. And I don't know if they approach it that way, like let's be methodical one thing at a time. But certainly the back line is much better. Goalkeeping could be improved as well. I think the midfield and the forwards right now, it's a mess. Certainly a work in progress. So incomplete. Yeah, I I guess I'm going to go way more pessimistic than you are and even start on the back line. Um, I can say that, you know, it seems like Jonathan Bond is going to be a question. I don't know the answer to that. You would hope that, and certainly with his experience around, um, you know, the championship and where he has played, that he has the skills necessary to be a MLS starting goalkeeper. But that's a question mark, and I don't know that we're going to answer that. So, you know, is Jonathan Bond an upgrade over David Bingham? I don't know. Um, There's a possibility, but David Bingham is a solid MLS goalkeeper. His stats point that out. He's middle of the road in terms of MLS. So, you know, is Jonathan Bond better than a middle of the road MLS keeper? I don't know. Uh, I'll tend to lean towards yes and be a little more optimistic on that one. Um, But I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that anybody does. And if you're going with Jonathan Klinsman, um, you know, I think that there were some, some good things that we saw that he could possibly be an upgrade over David Bingham. But he... He has some work to do, and certainly in limited minutes that we did see, I don't think we can say that. So, question marks on the back line, or at goalkeeper for sure. Back line. Uh, I think Viafania and Ensua are going to end up being a push. I think Ensua was a solid left back. I think that Viafania may fit Vanny's system better, and that may eventually give him the edge. But I don't see a huge upgrade like you do, so... You know, for me, I'm like, okay, I think Danilo, I, I think if you're going to give the defensive any, anything right now, it's that they have depth 
and that's something that they didn't have last year. And so the depth itself is an upgrade over what they had um, last year. Uh, Depew in there, uh, you know, Steras, I think, is a starter. I think People Gonzalez is going to the bench. If you hold People Gonzalez over as a starter from last year, to me, that's that's a downgrade because uh, People, yes, he's a World Cup you know, defender and he played well in MLS before, but he hasn't shown any of that quality for the LA Galaxy. Uh, I think Derek Williams could be an upgrade and seems to be an upgrade at center back, um, but we don't know how healthy he is yet and when he comes in, so that's a bit of a question mark. Uh, Araujo at right back is the same right back you had last year, so hopefully that's an upgrade over the Araujo that was last year. You get better. O'Neal Fisher at depth, way better that type of thing. So um, I think there's lots of options. So if you want to say the defense gets better because of the depth, I will agree with you on the starters. I don't know that they have gotten significantly better. I think there's a little bit of optimism for that uh, in the midfield. You lost somebody like Perry kitchen. The LA galaxy currently have no answer for a defensive midfielder like Perry kitchen. And quite honestly, Perry kitchen would have been perfect as the defensive midfielder in a Greg Vanny system. Um, and we don't have that right now. So uh, Perry Kitchen missing that to me is a downgrade with an open spot there. Yes, it's incomplete, but it's an open spot. And until they fill that, we can't really say upgrade, downgrade, or anything else in between. So, um, you know, I, I hesitate to say that. Jonathan Dos Santos is the same Jonathan Dos Santos as last year. Sebastian Legette is the same. Um, you know, Victor Vasquez could end up being an important part of this this team. I don't know that yet. Grant Sir is unknown on the right side. You don't have a starting left winger right now. Um, even if the rumors are true, do you have a starting left winger in terms of, you know, the designated player? So, I mean, for me, Kevin, I can go through this, and I think everybody knows where I'm going, going on these. Um, but whenever you look at it and, and, and sort of say those different things, you can say, okay, well, to me, there's no real great upgrade for the LA Galaxy in some of this stuff. Um, I don't think that's a that's a stretch. Yeah, and you can't. And we've we've less than a month to opening day. You know, about a month to the first game at home. There's a lot of questions to answer. Greg Vanny promised there'd be a defensive midfielder. That's that Perry Kitchen uh, spot that you talked about. Um, we don't know who that's going to be. They're still working, but they they're going to start the season at you know, with the work in progress, even if they get Pavone, he won't be here. So, uh, you know, they're just not going to come out of the gate real, real, even me being optimistic, they're not going to come out of the gate strong. I don't believe, uh, and those games in April count just as much as the games in October. Um, I think this could be a season long work in progress. Yeah. And I think, you know, Vanny is sort of of the impression, at least that, that we can say is that, you know, yeah, he needs some results in order to be able to move this project along. But I don't think he's trying to fix everything in, in the first year. I mean, just listening to him talking about systems and how guys progress. I mean, he was really happy with how they played in the scrimmage. Uh, he's been really happy with how they're training. Uh, he's been happy with, you know, sort of the fitness level of everybody as well. So, I mean, right now you have a pretty happy Greg Vanny, but even he knows and he said, you know, hey, we're missing a whole bunch of people. We know that we're missing a whole bunch of people and we still need to do that and we need to have that happen here pretty quickly you know uh grant sir and and vasquez still waiting on visas and then you get in then you have quarantine periods so i mean whenever you think about that you're at least always you know about 10 days away from those guys joining camp every single day that you go through this and they're not on their way to the united states so that sort of just keeps sliding and trying to get those guys into camp is going to be important but it's not something that you know is going to happen quickly so you know, trying to get those guys over, trying to get that stuff. And as we see the LA Galaxy still going after um, some players as well. So let's let's shift to that rumor. Uh, you have Kevin Cabral, uh, who is a league two uh, in front in France uh, winger. All right. And this is a guy 
who is currently playing for a, a League Two side, so below League One, so the second division in France. Uh, I was going to I kept trying to, I've been listening to the pronunciation of this particular club uh, now multiple times, and I'm here to tell you that it looks like it's Spanish, but it's in French, and because of that, my brain cannot wrap itself around it. So it's, it's Valenciennes. Valenciennes FC, which plays in Valenciennes uh, in France, which is basically just up. It's very northern, northern France, right up next to Belgium. Um, they have a 25,000 seat stadium. So really, I mean, when you think about it, uh, Kevin Cabral could very well be very comfortable in a stadium like Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, but you have a 21 year old who's a left winger. Uh, he can also play right wing and center forward. So you're looking at left wing, Kevin, and immediately people go left wing. Christian Pavone, this is a replacement for Christian Pavone. And I'm here to say, pump the brakes, that's not happening. So um, that's what you get for this guy. 21 years old, 29 games played, 7 goals, 5 assists, 2,435 minutes. Uh, really just starting to get some serious playing time in League 2 over the last year, year and a half. So this is a guy who is on the upswing whenever you look at this. And not necessarily somebody who you're going to sit there and say, oh man, the stats just tell you everything. Well, I, I find it interesting, and you can kind of try to figure out what Greg Vanny is doing when you look at the ages and the contracts that of some of the people he's bringing in. O'Neill Fisher and, and Derek Williams on the defense, uh, certainly Jorge Viafania over the age of 30. I think he'll be 32 this season. O'Neill Fisher and Derek Williams, late 20s. Those are guys that, you know, that, that limited shelf time. But then you look at Grant Sir at 24. You look at uh, Cabral, 21. The attacking players, you know, uh, and, and – we look at Bond coming in with a four-year contract. Vasquez has a one-year with a one-year option uh, at 34. So I, I think you can see that that Greg Danny is trying to put together an attack that's young, that's going to develop together, guys of about the same age group um, that he's going to work with and, turn, and, and get into his side of play. On the back line with some of the, the, the holding midfielders, against Sasha Kleshton maybe in that position a little bit, I think Greg Danny is looking at guys like, let's just have some leadership, get us through another year or two, We'll work on the back line and, and the back side of the midfield later. The attack, it's all very young. They're going after young guys, guys that they expect to be here a while. Um, some of the other positions, I think they're just hoping to put a competitive team on the field. And you know what? That that, that makes a lot of sense. I think you can win a lot of one to nothing games with a good, solid veteran back line as your forwards develop. And then when these guys become creative and, and, and really dynamic up front, then you can rebuild the back line. And at that time, you're winning games three to two and four to three. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, around six feet. He, he has a twin brother as well, uh, Remy Cabral, who plays for Valenciennes, um, at their, their B side. So basically their development side. He's fast. Uh, he's routinely beating players that have steps on him. And that to me shows one, both quickness and speed, because if you have a guy who starts in front of you and you're able to maneuver around him and get past that person, um, it shows your speed. It shows your quickness, really good, quick technical touches. And again, this is from the highlights. So you're only going to see some of the best stuff, uh, good shift of balance, throws defenders off good vision for the game, knows where to continue his runs. My, my criticism is, at least in seeing some of this, is he seems like he runs out of steam whenever he gets to the box, and I'd like to see him cross the ball a lot earlier. But that's stuff you can develop in a 21-year-old. Uh, the rumor currently has the LA Galaxy paying uh, possibly $5 million in transfer fee. And then if I tell you that, you're saying, well, he's going to be a designated player then because of the amount of money and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, here's the thing at 21 years old, this is a guy, Kevin, who would fall under the new U 22 rule, which we've talked about this. Um, the player cannot turn 23 in the first year of the contract. Uh, he was born in, in 1999, by the way, if you want to feel really old. Um, so in 1999, the year I graduated high school, uh, he was, he was born. Um, and so he's 21. He will turn 22 on July 10th. Uh, of this year. So he fits under that. The player can stay in the program until they turn 25. There's no limit on acquisition costs, which is why the $5 million thing doesn't scare me. Plus, I think that that is overhyped at the current point um, where it is. His market value says around $2 million, but it's on the way up. And certainly if you talk to the LA Galaxy France guys, uh, there's a big shout out to them, by the way. Uh, really cool guys uh, who follow the LA Galaxy from France, um, and they were the ones who were sort of hinting at this one and and sort of and showing the report that came out of France at some point um, and talked about uh, Kevin Cabral and possibly what he could be in. So uh, as he comes out, I think that maybe that five million dollars is overplayed. His current market value is about two million dollars, but again transfer market lags they either lag in the behind on a young player so they're going to be under what the value probably is on a younger player and they're going to be over on the value of a, of a higher profile player as they come down that's usually what transfer market does um, so he fits all of these u22 rules and the galaxy i imagine are going to have three designated players they're not going to have any young designated players that would allow them to sign three of these u22s so they're probably going to get one and Kevin Cabral, at least at this point, seems to indicate that the LA Galaxy are thinking about that U-22 rule. I don't think there is anything definitive on this right now. I don't know that there's any offers being put out right now. Uh, but this is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if the LA Galaxy are looking at and possibly targeting as they're looking to continue to fill in this roster. Could have news Wednesday before the media availability. By the way, I can't even say Lompoc, so I'm not going to try Valacianis, but... It does sound like Valencia. It yes. does look like Valencia, which is where I live, which is in the 90-mile circle. Yeah, which which is in the 90. We're going to talk about That's that. That's a 90. good segue, right? It, hey, I see, mean, I helped you out. I mean, I it was it was okay. You're you're rushing me off of Kevin Cabral, but I'll <laughs> I'll allow it for this one time. Okay. Um, but no. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Let's go to the update and sort of a, a good news for everybody. Uh, we talked about the media call coming on Thursday. Well, there was also an update to the LA Galaxy's preseason schedule. All the games have remained the same. None of the games have changed. But we told you to hold on because we thought that the LA Galaxy would probably end up streaming most of the games that they had this year. Not the one against San Diego Loyal. We told you that one wasn't happening. But on March 27th, the LA Galaxy will have the game against Spectre, uh, the game against the New England Revolution. Saturday, March 27th, 7 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, that will be on Spectrum Sportsnet. That will be the only one carried over the television. So those of you who don't have Spectrum, have no fear. LAGalaxy.com will be streaming the next four games. That includes the Wednesday night match against New England Revolution, 7 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, that's Wednesday, March 31st. That that includes the all three games that are in the Sun Cup, the Visit Tucson Sun Cup um, down in Tucson. Um, and that uh, includes those three games all streamed on LAGalaxy.com. The bad news is... Uh, and if you were following me on Twitter today, you saw me tweet out that I said, hey, the good news, they're not going to geofence any of these. So you're going to be watching only to immediately be told, nope, we were wrong. We're, they are geofencing them. So basically what happens is MLS has these rules, Kevin. We don't know why they have them, but I'm sure they have them for a good reason. Just nobody knows what that reason is. And everybody thinks that they're trying to basically, um, you know, uh, screw over the fans who are trying to really pay attention to all this stuff. Uh, but they have a rule that for any of the preseason streaming that you are that you have to draw a 90 mile circle around the um, around the stadium, basically. And that is your 
That is your your 90 miles. Now, it's it's around your home, right? So Dignity Health Sports Park. So even when they're playing in Tucson, Kevin, it doesn't mean that they're going to draw the circle around Tucson and nobody's going to be able to watch. It starts here. But when you draw a 90-mile circle around Southern California, one, 90 miles is not that far for any Southern Californian to drive. So already you know you're excluding some Galaxy fans that are not coming into that 90-mile circle and saying, hey... Um, you know, there's guys, there's people who come from, you know, Central Valley and Bakersfield to come to LA Galaxy games and, and do that stuff. There's people who come from San Diego. And by the way, San Diego, at least the the San Diego proper and, and that area are also excluded outside this 90 mile uh, yeah, circle. But there's a lot of fish that can get these games. So look at that. That everybody's a asked, lot of ocean. Everybody asked where the uh, where the Catalina Island watch party was going to be. I, doesn't MLS should offset that because the, you should be able to go like 180 miles whenever, you know, you only have six miles. Yeah. between you and the ocean because well it looks like cuba down there is that cuba or yeah is that, that san clemente island is the far okay. south one um and then you have channel islands national park you get some of the channel islands national park in there so anybody on the national park can watch the la galaxy game streaming but if you are in bakersfield you can't watch it if you're in palm springs you can't watch it if you're in san diego you can't watch it we know that there are people in las vegas that they can't watch this game it seems extremely limited. I was told that we could always have the discussion about why MLS thinks this. I will tell you that there are people uh, around the LA Galaxy who think this isn't a great thing for their fans, but they don't really have much control over this. this is MLS, MLS rules in terms of streaming uh, preseason games. So 90 miles it is, and that's where we sit. You know what? I want to test this. We should get the Corner of the Galaxy yacht out and put the game on and, and then just head out to sea and see how far we get before well, be, we lose the being, game. Being we'd have to stream it, I imagine we're going to lose uh we're going to lose internet reception before we get uh before we actually get outside of the the 90 miles or or whatever that that ring ends up being. So anyway, this was my totally unscientific approach at drawing 90 mile circle, so I did that and I wanted you to know that yes, there are some of you who are absolutely who can watch who are within Spectrum Sportsnet's range, Kevin. They're within spectrum sports in that's range but they will not be able to watch this because they're outside of the 90 mile circle no and i feel like i'm at the edge of the, the circle i think if i go upstairs to the bedroom i probably won't get it. i have to stay downstairs yeah it might it might be that close it, it's you're you're very I'm right on the line you, let's put it this way you could drive outside the circle in, in no time i imagine yeah, so it, certainly by the end of the half so yeah so that's where it stands in terms of um you know the la galaxy and the streaming the good news is the games will be will be streaming on lagalaxy.com it'll probably be the easiest way you ever watch the la galaxy because it's not through spectrum or anything else having said that um, there's a bunch of you who are in these weird areas that you're just not going to be. And by the way, they're not weird areas. The weirdness comes from the fact that you're like within spectrum sports net, but outside of the 90, um, the weirdness comes that you're able to watch, you know, the LA galaxy in Las Vegas, but yet you won't be able to watch a streamed game. Um, there has to be some smarter people at major league soccer who understand the giant chess game of these TV rights. And somebody was saying, well, you know, it's because of the regional sports. I can't even imagine it's a regionals. I can't imagine it's spectrum who's sitting there going, don't stream these games to the people who get the LA galaxy. It can't be, it has to be a national thing. Um, and I talked about the LA galaxy France guys, right? There's, I mean, they don't get to watch this game, and this was one of the easiest games for them to watch because all you have to do is be able to stream it on LAGalaxy.com. They're missing out MLSs, and I'm sure there's, they tell me there's this big overreaching, they know, they know what they're doing, and nobody has convinced me that they have any idea what they're doing with this because they're hurting LA Galaxy fans, you could see. Well, what, what would your, be your best guess 
if there was no geofence, how many people would watch that game? Just ballpark. Uh, I would say anywhere between ten and twenty thousand. I don't think it's really any think more it'd than be that many. It might be if if it's worldwide. I would say that you would have a much better chance at reaching twenty than you would if you're just trying to put it in a ninety mile. If you're getting a ninety mile, I'm guessing there's not more than seven thousand people within that ninety miles. That's that seems like a, like an but easy guess. Because here's where I'm going with this. Maybe in the regular season when you're selling tickets and there's TV rights and all that. Maybe you can make that argument, but right now it's preseason. We're trying to build uh, some enthusiasm. We're trying to build some momentum going into the regular season. The more eyeballs you get on these games, the better. The more interest you develop, the the better. You know, the Dodgers decades ago had a problem with a lot of pirate radio stations in Latin America taking the Spanish language feed of the Dodgers and not paying for it. And Major League Baseball raised a stink saying you can't pay for the rights. The Dodgers came forward and said, look, they can't afford the rights, but everybody listening to that game is becoming a Dodger fan. We're selling tons of Dodger merchandise out there. It's helping Major League Baseball let it go. And they did. And, and it, you know, it worked out great for everybody. And it, this just seems one of those things where somebody looked at the rule book and said, this is what the rule said. And they didn't apply it, you know, with some common sense. Yeah. It, it definitely cuts some things down in Los Angeles. And again, if you're on the East coast, you're within, you know, um, the Virginia, Maryland, DC sort of range. And you talk about 90 miles. I mean, you're like, nobody's going 90 miles. Um, it's hysterical. Whenever I lived in Arizona and going to school, the people who would be like, you drove an hour to get somewhere? Why would you do that? I'm like, I'm from Southern California. We drive an hour to get like everywhere. You can't get anywhere in, in less than an hour. Um, and so the the travel distance just isn't even that far for most Galaxy fans. Um, you know, 90 miles. Listen, I, I travel like 30 miles in order to get there. So it would be three times the drive. But there are people who come from San Diego. They're San Diego Galaxy fans who will not be able to watch this game. That seems just short-sighted and ridiculous and because our podcast does cater at least to people who are out of state a lot even out of the country sometimes um, yeah exactly everybody over in japan um all of our listeners in france and sweden well so the sweden people sort of went away for a little while the, the french people are laughing at how we pronounce the name of that team yeah well I'm of sure. course they, they, they turned it off a long time ago um but whenever you you understand that is that you you know i at least know that there are people from there and if there's people from there who are watching then expanding that and again, this is not an LA Galaxy thing. I'm sure that Galaxy would happily open this up to everybody. Um, there, this is an MLS rule, and we we go through this every preseason. That there's going to be geofencing. So, you, you know what would be fun to do, and no one's going to do this. It's way too complicated. But the people that bought the jerseys that we talked about at the start of the show. See, I'm trying to bring it yes, back to uh-huh, the end. Good. The people, the people that bought those jerseys, especially on the opening day of the jersey sale. It'd be fun to look at their zip codes, find out who, how many people are inside the 90-mile circle. I bet you find a ton of people outside the 90-mile circle yes. that are such dedicated fans. They, they put down big coin on the first day to get that jersey, and now they can't watch a game, a preseason game, on their own internet. I mean, come on. I know. I know. It's just, again, I, I just hope that this, and, and there's, a, there's a hope inside of me that MLS and all the rights and all the local rights go to one owner like ESPN plus gets that's, I mean, in my dream of dreams, that is the dream that I have is that MLS plus gets all the local rights, all the national rights. And you can go to one place to watch any MLS game. You can go to ESPN plus and some of them will be on ESPN. Some will be on ABC. Some will be on ESPN too, but it's always within one family and one network. I know that's a, that's a pipe dream in a lot of ways, but that's my guess. I would hope that they could understand that in 2021, that having media blackouts 
of games and blackout sections and local sports deals and all these things isn't worth it. That just having everybody's using VPNs to get around this stuff. And I'm not saying that you can do that because that would be illegal. But I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to do it because that's. But you're not saying you shouldn't do it. Well, no, I am saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I'm not surprised when people do do it Um, because how else are you going to get around this stuff? I mean, people are already doing it. So when can we live in the world of media rights? And I get it. It's a big business and there's people way smarter than me that are figuring this out to get the most amount of money in their pockets whenever they do this. But at the same time, eventually I'd like to be able to just know where to watch a game. NBC Sports Network and Peacock have a huge problem right now because I never know where the darn English Premier League game is in the morning. I don't know if it's on NBC Sports Network, which is supposed to be going away. I don't know if it's on the Peacock app. And I end up going from Apple TV over to regular TV back and forth, trying to find a game to watch in the morning. And that's a problem, not knowing where the game is going to be. Instead, how about I just know where the game is going to be? And if if they put it on ESPN Plus and it's all one place and there's no blackouts, then nobody's ever going to miss that game again because you know where it's supposed to be. Well, and of course, you brought up the, the big point, which is the harder you make it, the the, the fewer viewers you're going to get. They're going to go to whatever is the easiest thing to find. If it's hard to get, you know, people are just not going to go through that trouble. Sure, the super uh, hardcore Galaxy fans will always do that. But the Galaxy, I think the number of super hardcore fans is limited. You build that base by increasing those people. And and, and the casual fan, if they have to fight to get it, they're going to they're gonna watch hockey or something else. Yeah, something that's on the channel that they were, you know, trying to find. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, uh, my parents are very much, you know, sort of casual Galaxy fans. And every once in a while, they stumble across the game and they watch it. But it's not like they're they're going to find it. So if it's there and it's on one of the sports networks and they happen to stumble, they'll stop and watch it. Um, and if not, then they're not going to be like, well, where's the game? Where am I supposed to watch it? How am I going to find it? Um, and I think everybody's going to be happy whenever the spectrum deal finally goes away too, because the complaints are already going to start for this Saturday's game about spectrum spectrum's horrible streaming website. And the fact that, um, you know, they just, they don't seem to put any production into their, into their, uh, shows anymore. And by the way, that's not a slight at any of the talent, Joe Tutino, Kobe Jones, those guys do an, a tremendous job with what they have. Spectrum just is losing money like crazy on this deal because they spent too much money. And because of that, they've tried to trim it back as much as possible. And they've thrown really nothing at any of their streaming side of things that they should have been throwing a long time ago. But, you know, you talk about Joe and Kobe, especially Joe, no slate on Kobe, but uh, Sirius XM carries uh, a lot of the MLS games. And you can hear the the announcers from different cities, you know, they generally play the home audio from uh, uh, different games. I've listened to a lot of the MLS uh, radio people, TV people. Joe is by far uh, in the, he's in the top 1%. I mean, he's, he's really good. We're really lucky to have him. And when you listen to, to announcers around the league, broadcasters around the league, you really realize how good he is. You might listen to him and think that, well, I've heard him all along, you know, he's solid. He's there. You don't realize how good he is to compare him to some of the other voices. No, I, th- I think you're right. Um, and, uh, you know, spoiled. I think Galaxy fans have been spoiled for a long time with Joe Tutino. So Joe, uh, Joe always, Joe and Kobe, by the way, they do a great job as, as a team. Uh, I think they're the best announcing team in Major League Soccer. And I do listen to a lot of the, the other games and things that sort of go. There are some very good ones. Um, there are some very, very bad ones um, as well. I was watching a college soccer game. Um, it was uh, GW, so George Washington University versus Davidson. I was watching it because I had nothing else to do, so I just turned it on on ESPN+. Plus. Kevin, I watched a college soccer game because it was on ESPN+, Plus and it was just there. I was like, oh, I'll watch this. Okay, so I did, and I'm pretty sure the guy announcing it, one, had never 
covered soccer before in his life, uh, and two was asleep. They're, that's the only those are the only obvious selections. So I, of course, have said and thrown my hat into the ring. I will announce your soccer game and I promise that I will be awake. All right. That's, that's my promise. You know what? It, what really turns me off is when I hear we we need to do this. We need to do that. It, you know, the announcer is, is supposed to. Uh, I grew up with Vince Gully and Vince Gully never did that, you know, because he realized that a lot of people listening to the Dodger games were fans of the other teams. And and I, I don't know if Joe's from that school, but I don't hear him do a lot of we. He does talk about what the Galaxy have to do, but he talks about the Galaxy. He doesn't put him. He's wearing a Galaxy shirt. I know that because I've seen him in the press box, but he doesn't make himself part of the team. He doesn't put on a jersey and go out on the field and play. And I, I trust announcers that do that. I feel like they're telling me that the true story and not trying to, to gloss things over. Um, and he knows the game and he can describe it and you can f- close your eyes and understand where the ball is at all times. It just, he just paints a, a word's eye view of what's going on in the field. And uh, he, we're lucky to have him. He's really good. One of the best, one of the best. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think that about does it for us tonight. We had a long show, so we'll, uh, we'll sort of leave it at that. A lot of little LA galaxy announcements coming up, still some roster building. I think that's clear from, uh, from Kevin and I's grades. So, um, I think that's, uh, that's where we leave it. Anything else, Kevin, you good? No, I really want to see the cat filter though on Thursday's media availability. That'd be awesome. Yeah, no, that's definitely not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. All right. What's if, the M for on the shirt, by the way? Uh, the University of Maryland. It's my adopted team because my wife went there. So the Terps. The Terps. You know who went there? AJ De La Garza, Omar Gonzalez, Taylor Twelman. I mean, Robbie Rogers. There's please <laughs> don't. There's okay. there, there's a lot. Okay. There's a lot from the University of Maryland. National champions many times over in soccer. So I know that. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter. On Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And please head on over to LATimes.com where you can find all of Kevin's wonderful writings. LATimes.com covers soccer. Find it right there. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com. Podcasts, videos, articles, all that fun stuff right there for you. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Vox on cornerthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.